I must tell you though, we this this particular man is a lovely man called Phil, and he's been our model for years. And he did one pose, and I had the most unfortunate view where I had like full on okay the whole thing. Welcome to episode five of Art Juice, behind the scenes conversations about making art and the creative life with me, Louise Fletcher. And with me, Alice Sheridan. Today we're going to be talking about a couple of main questions, how to deal with older work when your style's moved on, and also a, re, a listener question, how to ask for feedback. We're also going to introduce a new feature, but I'll save that for a surprise at the end. So um, to begin with, as usual, what are we working on this week? Alice, what are you working on this week? Well, it was a bit of a slow start to the week, but finally I geared up and I got started on three big new paintings. Um, and what was really interesting about it was because it was those early stages where you can just let rip because you haven't got any fear of getting things wrong. I love that stage. I, I, it is, it is nerve-wracking looking at that big blank canvas, but I really enjoy that stage. But what I did this time differently, very often in the past, I've gone with something that's very high contrast. So I've gone with black marks onto white because you've got something really strong then that you can see. But I think it's perhaps taken me too far down the line of making really really bold moves that is then hard to pull back into more subtlety so this time I started with softer colors lighter colors more akin to the colors that I actually want to be in the final painting and it felt really good to me and I, I did a time lapse of it because I know these things at this you know when you're going from a totally blank canvas to having something there that kind of magic of creating something from nothing looks really good on a time lapse so I actually remembered to do it this time and shared it on it's on Facebook and Instagram too. Now if you did that though if you start with the colours that you love does that make it harder to go back in and go over them now or um, do you even need to have you got something already? Um, in one of them I think I've got something already but it's clearly not enough but it led me to a really interesting conversation with somebody about, you know, what is enough? Um, and, and what if this could be enough working this quickly and this fast and this instinctively? It's not interesting enough. There is on impact or distance looking at it. Yes, there's definitely something there, but there isn't enough of intrigue when you come up to it and you look closer. There isn't enough story and history behind it. But I think it does give me some quite clear parameters either to work within or because I've now got a record of it, I can go off in another direction. I can build almost opposites behind the areas that I'm working on and then maybe bring it back to this point. But I'm not scared of letting go at this point, I think, and changing direction. I don't think I'm going to be fixed to what I've started with. Right. Let's see. Oh, interesting. Well, I've decided to give myself the week off painting because I've been having one of those weeks where you go around in circles and get nowhere last week and um, I'm also starting a new course next week and it's the first time I've taught what I'm going to be teaching 
And until uh, two days ago, I didn't have a framework for how I was going to teach it. And I'm going to be teaching principles like composition and tone contrast and color. But I, I didn't have a framework of how to present it. And I knew what I wanted to cover, but not how to teach it. And so I decided if, if trying too hard in my paintings uh, always gets me in trouble, and if intuition is the right way, usually when I'm painting, I should try that in course content. So I gave up trying and um, I gave up thinking about it for two days and I took the dog for a walk the day before yesterday and suddenly it was literally like a download into my brain, this way of teaching it. And I didn't have anything with me to write so I was talking into my phone to save it so that I wouldn't forget. And then I rushed home and wrote everything up. So I'm spending this week recording lessons and demos and things to explain this idea that I've come up with and I'm just going to give myself a break from painting and just then see what happens after I come back in because I've made a pig's ear of about five things uh, really have that often happens if your if your mind is pulled in another direction um yeah that might be it yeah people think it's easy painting but you have to be you have to not concentrate quite hard but you I find that you do have to be fully in it otherwise you do veer off and you end up making something that isn't quite one thing or another and it just doesn't have any impact um I love the idea of getting the download what I'm interested in is does it still make sense when you get back from your walk because it's yeah. often when you think of something when you're asleep and you have a great idea and you look at the next or maybe you make notes in the middle of the night and you wake up the next morning and look at it and you think what on earth was I talking about <laughs> no actually it did make sense but I do that a lot with painting if I paint at night I come in and I think wow I've had a great night I can't wait and I take a picture I can't wait to come in and see this in the morning then I wake up look at the picture I'm like oh my lord what was that <laughs> So no, but this one did make, well, I hope it makes sense. Who knows? We're, t we're starting next week, so we will see if it makes sense to anyone but me. But I think it did. Let's go on to today's main topic, because I think this is a big one. And um, I'm very interested in everybody else's opinions about this topic, because I have this issue. So the issue is how to deal with older work when your style has moved on. Mm. Um, and I asked you about this, I think, in a previous episode, and we decided it was a bigger topic. You've been doing the whole Marie Kondo in and sorting out in your studio space. And my big question that immediately popped into mind was, what did you do with older stuff? Um, and you said you'd already dealt with that. So why don't you start this conversation and tell us what you think about what to do with stuff that just isn't you anymore okay so before we begin this i should hold my hands up and say i do have sketchbooks that go back to when i was studying a level art so that wow. was 25 years ago 27 years ago wow. um, so i do keep things still but obviously i don't keep everything um the way that I dealt with it is I, I only have a certain amount of space that's available to me, whether that's for storage or whether that's for working in. So I'm quite happy to decide what amount of space that I'm going to allocate for keeping things. And then I can keep whatever fits within that space 
without it interrupting my working area. But once it starts to grow beyond that, then it starts to get into the, in the way of what I'm working on now. And for me, that's a more important focus. So I have, what do I have? I don't have any more. I got rid of, at one point I had a really big A1 plan chest um, that we'd driven all the way across London to collect. And it was a beautiful big oak plan chest, but it was such a huge piece of furniture. And there was, I didn't have any space to keep it within our house. And it just took up, I don't even think we ever actually took it in this house all the way up to the top of the stairs because it was just too big. It, I just knew that it was going to take up too much room. And also that was for keeping large sheets, A1 sheets of paper. And I just, I wasn't using that at the time. So that went. And yes, there have been moments where I regretted getting rid of that because you do end up with some large sheets of paper that you need to keep, whether it's work that you've got, old work that you've got, or whether it's um, new clean materials that you want to keep. So I have a small A2 plan chest from Ikea, which I actually find much more useful um, for keeping small loose sheets of drawings on and everything is labelled. Um, we've spoken before that I have a kind of attic space, so it's not easy to, but there are no wall, there's not, not a lot of wall storage, but I do have funny little corners of the room. So by if I put the plan chest in front of one area, I have space behind it where I can stack a certain amount of canvases. Um, and underneath the tidy desk, I rebuilt a simple paper storage just with planks of wood and sheets of MDF that I just screwed down on top of each other. So it's just open access. This is you at B&Q again. This is me at B&Q again. <laughs> yeah, that was a bank holiday job. But um, that's it. That's that's all I keep, really. Um, what will fit within that space? I don't have a huge amount of old work anymore, apart from I do I keep all sketchbooks um and i keep what fits within though that small plan chest and that's it but it, we were talking more about keeping canvases and framed paintings yeah i mean i've got problems with all um i haven't got that many canvases mine i haven't got that many canvases or frame paintings actually yet that haven't sold my newer stuff will see that might all not sell but my older stuff tended to sell but i have got a ton of um i used to paint watercolor on watercolor paper and i have a ton of these watercolors and i was painting like quirky cow portraits at one point which were really popular and i have a pile of what didn't sell the ones that i either didn't put up for sale or i never finished or whatever and they're or, or uh, people didn't buy them at the time and they're piling up or they've piled up and I keep moving them around the house because I haven't got much storage and sticking them somewhere else. And I keep thinking, I need to get rid of these. Throwing them away just feels awful because I know people who would probably buy them from me or at least like them as gifts. But giving them away or putting them on Facebook and saying, here's a sale, grab them if you want them, also feels wrong because that's not me anymore. Yeah. And it feels embarrassing to put them up now. And so I don't really don't know what to do with those. I was thinking of maybe just saying to friends and family and neighbors, come round to the house 
I've also got piles of watercolour life drawing paintings, mm -hmm. which are quite beautifully done, but mm -hmm. I don't want to put them on the wall. So I was thinking of saying, does anybody want to come around, go through all this pile, see if there's anything you want and just take it. Um, if you would like to some watercolour portraits of a naked middle-aged man, I am your woman because <laughs> I have so many of them. <laughs> this is slightly the problem with life drawings, isn't it? Is often they're not, unless the model has been particularly chosen to be aesthetically. <laughs> I must tell you though, we, this, this particular man is a lovely man called Phil and he's been our model for years. And he did one pose and I had the most unfortunate view where I had like full on okay. the whole thing. And I did that drawing because that's what, and we had an exhibition and we, uh, of our life drawings and I put that one up and that one sold instantly to a woman. The, her husband bought one of the, my naked women and she said, right, well, I'm having this one then. And she bought it. <laughs> So the moral of that is there's someone for everything. <laughs> there is. Um, we, I remember we had um, a, a, a great life drawing class once. And often in life drawing classes, for those who haven't done them, it is, I tell you what, in this world of, you know, Instagram perfect bodies, all you need to do is go to a life drawing class, people. <laughs> and you realise that the human body comes in all kinds of shapes, sizes, interesting irregularities. And often the more unusual and the more irregular, the more interesting it is to draw, of course. So you do get some quite interesting models. But we did have one guy once and he had particularly strange proportions. So if you drew him accurately, your drawing looked all wrong and wonky. But I, I think with things like life drawings, I, I threw all mine away. Did you? I did. Not all the drawings, but beautiful, thick watercolour paper. I might, I could gesso them, I suppose. You could, you could gesso them. But yes, I mean, I, I, I threw them all away on the basis that they were there for me to learn through rather than as final pieces. They weren't really going to be anything that I ever was going to show or wanted to show, or I suppose I just got to the stage where I didn't feel like I needed to keep them anymore. Um, and that's one of the questions I think is, will you, sh will you ever show this work again? So your cows, are you ever going to show it again? Or is it just that it feels a waste to get rid of something that you've spent a long time on but it sounds like it's more that it's a waste that somebody somewhere might like it but are you going to put yeah. the effort into matching those two people together yeah I mean I do know some family members who would like them and I suppose first thing to do is to send an email to those people and say do you like any of these you can have them yeah um that's the first thing to do because it, it is mainly that it's just that sense of these are, these are not my style anymore, but they're too good to just discard. Um, that's the feeling. It's like they're, they're, they're not tacky or anything. They're good. And somebody would really love to have this in their home. And I'm just going to put it on the dumpster. And I don't know if that's just me. Unless you can find somebody else who would do the selling for you. Like, if I don't know, is there anybody you know who sells mixed artwork? not really is there no I think you've got it right the answer is to discard now I did go through this is a bit like the Marie Kondo thing I went through some 
experimental pieces that I'd done that hadn't worked out and they were on like cheap canvas and some were on canvas boards and things and they hadn't worked out and I put them in a big pile outside my studio when I had a clear out and it felt so good just looking at that pile and then my neighbor was having a bonfire so I took them all down to his bonfire and put them on there and he was going you can't you can't burn all this yes I want to I want them gone and that felt good because they were they were rubbish. The surfaces were messed up too much that I couldn't go back over them and do anything with them. And also they just felt like, and it felt like this weight lifted off me when they were gone. When I didn't see them anymore, when I came in here, it was yeah. like, oh. Because it's that, that thing that you said about there's a stack of work and I keep having to work around it. Like I'm moving it around the house. I, I, I don't know where it's, it's taking up space that's more valuable to me in other ways and I think you know particularly with materials and we should be conscious these days to a degree of what we use but you know when you have paper and actually it's been around a while maybe the edges are a bit dogged yes what you I mean there are a number of things that you can do you can tear the paper down you can gesso over it as you've already said um, you could tear it into regular sized pieces of paper to use as mixing you know paint mixing scraps you could even bind a number of different size sheets together into a sketchbook that you use as the basis just for experimenting on That's I think yeah, I think the thing is to be um, clear about if you're keeping it, what are you keeping it for? And there is an argument, of course, that even if it's old work and it's not relevant anymore and you're not ever going to show it, that it's part of your archive and part of your story. And in that sense, what I would do is photograph, select a number of pieces that wow. you think are most relevant from that stage and photograph them and keep a digital reference of them and then you don't need to keep the actual painting or drawing itself but re certainly with paper reusing it helps but do it in a kind of regular size so maybe have an a4 filing tray and tear down all your old paper sheets into a4 size so that you've got a stack that you can just grab whenever you need something easily at hand because if you keep them all tucked away in a drawer or in a folder or in an art portfolio you're not going to go to that and get them out and reuse that paper so you've got to think what you're going to be reusing it for now what do you think about the idea because i know there'll be people listening who maybe don't maybe their early work isn't as different as mine was but it's, they just don't feel it's as strong so what do you feel about something like, say, at Open Studios, having a print browser and putting older stuff into a print browser as a kind of under the bed sale? Uh, I wouldn't obviously you wouldn't do that if you were in some swishy venue. But if you're doing an open studios or something, what do you think about that? You could do it. I I never have because my I just feel that I'm not excited by it anymore and I don't want to show it at all then and I'm less bothered about somebody finding it than I I would much rather somebody be excited about my new work and find a bargain in my old work so I, I am pretty I am pretty brutal that is interesting because I got a message the other day from someone on uh, Facebook and she had been working on a piece that was nowhere near finished 
and someone wanted to give her quite a significant amount of money for it and she was saying no to the money uh, she was saying I think I should say no because it's not finished and I was saying but that person loves it so why would you deprive them of it um, if they love it as it is now I would sell it to them as it is now and I would sell them something even if I didn't like it so I'm a bit more maybe money mercenary <laughs> no I think that's a different thing and I've had that I've had where somebody has been to the studio and they've liked something exactly as it is um I did keep it for a week and make some minor changes, but I didn't do to it what I would have done had I been yeah. totally continuing on it. But I think that's a different thing because that's current work that somebody's just seen and said, enough, stop, that is enough, which goes right back to the point I was making at the beginning. What happens if this is enough? You know, for some yeah. people it is. Um, but keeping a stack of older work... I've just always been a little bit wary of planting the seed in people's minds that your work stays around for a long time and then you're going to be selling it off cheap. Yeah, that, that's the thing that's held me back from doing it, actually, is that feeling of, don't worry, I'll have a sale at some point when nobody wants any of this stuff. <laughs> And that's not the case with those older pieces that I've got. It's mainly that they weren't put up for sale because by the time they were finished, I'd decided I was kind of going off that whole thing anyway. And I don't want to give people the impression that they were just not wanted. But then putting them on the bonfire seems much worse or taking them to the tip. Well, these are on paper, so they'd be recycled, I suppose. It's a quality control thing then, isn't it? If it's work that is inherently still good in itself but you're just no longer interested in it then I think that's okay to share and make them available maybe for a set period maybe you only do it once and you say I'm going to do this once and whatever's left at the end of it that's the end of it but I think I think often what happens is people have work that they no longer really like and they just don't feel good about it and I think sharing work for sale like that. Yeah, that's, that's the stuff that went on the bonfire for me. You just actually given me an idea though. These ones of cows, um, I could do a sale on Facebook, say I'm no longer doing these and every penny goes to, there's an animal shelter that looks after farm animals that I sometimes donate to. Yeah. I could just do something like that and I could say, if anyone wants anything, make your best offer and the money's all going to you could do that or the other thing of course that you could do if there's something that's really specific like that i mean i don't know have you got any farm shops near you is it worth not even mounting them but you could just cellophane wrap them and just take them in and say look i don't want any money for these but can i give them to you just say yeah. local artist and at least then they're not totally going to waste yeah that's a good idea too yeah that's a good idea we have got a farm shop just down the road so that is a good idea yeah, they might like that. But the, I mean, the other thing, of course, is is bigger things. So reusing um, canvases. I mean, I've been trying to work for quite a long time on canvas and I don't really like, I still don't really like it. I don't know why I keep trying, but I do. I know why I keep trying because it's lighter. Yeah. Um, so I've got a lot of canvases upstairs that are still, they've never got, it's not older work. They've never got to the stage where I feel that they're finished. Right. Which, which is another issue here, I think. I think. Yeah. 
and partly it's because they're often individual outliers they're never conceived of as a group and I just use them to loosen up um, I use them when I want to paint and don't want to be at all bothered about what the outcome is um, and I think some of those I've gessoed back to white maybe three times this is a really interesting segue actually into our next subject because I've got a similar pile and in most in three or four of the cases of some that I'm looking at over here they uh, have gone off the boil because I asked for feedback I took the feedback and I made and then it just I lost everything I was doing and I have this pile now of paintings that don't work anymore and I need to so that segues into our next topic nicely which was a question that we got about how to ask for feedback on your work and I clearly am not doing it the right way Um, the only feedback I've had on my work that actually helped me was yours when we had a we had a coaching session so I'm doing a little promo for you but I actually did make headway on some paintings with that session every other time whether it's asking somebody with expertise or whether it's asking on a Facebook group I'm stuck what should I do I follow the guidelines and I go off the rails so I'm probably doing this wrong how do we effectively ask for feedback what do you think about that i think it's a very difficult thing to do i think there are a couple of things you need to be in the right position to receive it but to understand the source that it's coming from because only then can you work out how relevant it is for you or not and i think what we see a lot on on social media so okay you can post something on instagram and it gets likes and comments and you know that's all great the opposite thing happens maybe people post within a facebook group and they say i'm working on this what do you think and it's i hate that question <laughs> what do you think about what you know you, you've got to be i think you've got to be really specific so if you're asking somebody for feedback you've got to be pretty clear in your own mind what it is that you're trying to do where you're stuck and ask for help about moving forward so you know i'm working on this i'm trying to get away from more literal landscape and into something that's looser but i'm finding this feel, still feels too stilted can anybody give me any tips on loosening up i'm thinking particularly of the areas that look too much like tree trunks or you know whatever that's a really specific question and i know what you're trying to do with it and when somebody comes into a group and they post and they've got you can see it you can see it in the in the comments if somebody is really clear about what they want feedback on it's so much easier for other people to say you could try this um maybe using different brush sizes or using more fluid paint or whatever the ideas are um but it's much easier for people to contribute some ideas and some feedback than just what do you think? Because people at that stage are really hesitant because they don't want to pop your bubble and they don't know what stage you're at within your painting or what you're trying to get out of it yourself. 
it's too big when it's too much of an open question it's it's too big for somebody to give you feedback on so being really precise helps yeah and i think it's too open to you getting your feelings hurt as well so mm-hmm. if i ask do i have too much black in this um, that's a straightforward question and you're not likely to hurt my feelings if I asked, I should be prepared for you to maybe say yes. But if I say, what do you think of this? And someone says, someone assumes I'm at early stages and starts telling me what to do and where to go with it. But actually I was almost done and I just wanted praise. Um, that's really gonna, <laughs> that's really gonna hurt my feelings. Yeah, that's pretty bad, isn't it? If you post something that's almost finished and someone says, great start, and you're like, ah. <laughs> That's almost the opposite of when you post one that you're just beginning and people say, leave it, don't touch it. Yeah, yeah. If you come with a question that's, does this have too much black in it? Too much black for what purpose? Yeah. What are you trying to, what do you want this painting to, to what impact do you want it to have? Or maybe I should say, is, is there so much black in this that it's distracting from this red mm-hmm. area over here? is a specific question so that's where i think having more of a conversation about it is much more useful and important because i can come back to you and ask too much black for what you know how does this fit with your other work do you want it to be um a contrast painting with your other work do you want it to have a different mood all of those kind of things are going to affect whether you know too much black is 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 still too open-ended now, what if I'm not so sure of myself, though, yet, and I don't know necessarily what I was trying to do, but I have a painting that I came up with. I think it's really good. I'm excited about it. And I want to know from other people if it actually is any good, if it does actually affect anyone else, if anyone else sees what I see, what do I do then? Do I say, do I describe, maybe I describe in that situation what it is that I like about it or what it is that's excited me about it and say, does it have that impact? What could I do to strengthen that? Is there anything I could do to, to make that even more impactful? Would that be helpful? Yeah, and I think often what you find is that people ask for feedback or they want to get that response when they're perhaps at the earlier stage and they want reassurance that they're along the right lines. It's still difficult because you're still giving people feedback based on their current level of risk or understanding or use of main principles like colour or composition. And you can't answer every request with a kind of lecture on all of those things because that's not what people want. You know, sometimes we do just, quite frankly, sometimes we do just want a pat on the back and someone to say, yeah, that's great, because that's what gives us the oomph to get on with the next thing. Well, maybe I I was going to say, maybe the answer to that, to my question then is, be clear, do you want feedback? Yeah. Yeah is to ask specifically or do you just want a boost and there's nothing wrong with that but if you want a boost post it and say i'm really pleased and excited with this painting and i just wanted to share it rather than what do you think yes yes i think that and and also that's the you know be proud of the fact that you've got to the stage where you're excited about something be really clear what your feelings are about it perhaps so as you say I, I've just finished this I'm really excited it was the first time I'd used this color 
you know, and it made me feel really good using this color, or I've just finished this and there's something about it that makes me, I, I can still see it's not quite right, but I liked this doing this part of it and I know that this bit doesn't work. And so it's also very good practice to kind of share what your response to your own work is for other people. Yes. Yes. And important to claim that rather than that feeling that we all have when we first start sharing our work of, I don't want to seem big headed. I don't want to seem like I'm showing off. If I say I'm excited, I just want to put, keep my head down, but you can't do that. As you progress, you're going to have to show up and talk about your work and show off, but you know, you're going to have to just be out there. So it's good practice to say, I'm excited about this without having what I used to have this little voice in the back of my head saying, if you write, you're excited about it somewhere out there, there's some person who's going, huh, I don't know why that's ridiculous. And in my head, instead of all the people that like it, they'd be that one imaginary person I can picture out there making a sarcastic face at my work. So it's just getting comfortable with, doing that I think if you are not asking for feedback if you're actually asking for just to share then just share so there's the sharing part and then there's being really specific and knowing that you're ready to take on board other people's criticisms that's the second part of it isn't it so it's okay to ask for approval but we also perhaps have to let other people know when we're okay to hear something that's going to be a bit more critical and we have to know when we're robust enough to deal with that. I personally don't like hearing that when I'm towards the end of a painting. I, I don't want input from other people towards the end. I want to sort that out on my own. When I'm in the middle stages, I'm quite happy to have feedback and input from people. And it's taken a long time to get to the stage where perhaps it doesn't feel personal um, because it can be very raw when you're working on something. And if you're not careful, that can throw you. So I think to be aware of when you're asking for something and notice how you respond to it emotionally. Sometimes if somebody gives you feedback and it is, it feels very critical, that's because you know that it's slightly touched a nerve and it's perhaps on an area that you know you're not very good at. So that could be around your drawing skills or perhaps you know that you're not quite being brave or expressive enough in your application of paint and that's coming across it that's going to be totally different for each of us but i think giving people a heads up that it's okay that you can take whatever criticism you are actually asking for is the second part of asking for it I think that's really true and that you just said so true in life as well as in art if you feel a, a, a dig when someone says something it's only because you believe that somewhere inside because if you didn't it wouldn't hurt yes. so if if you weigh eight and a half stone about 110 pounds for Americans then if someone says to you you're fat you would just be like, well, that's ridiculous unless you had issues. You would think that's stupid and it wouldn't sink in. But if you weighed a lot more and you felt conscious about your weight and someone called you fat, then it would really hurt. Only can hurt in, if there's something inside us. So 
if it's exactly what you said, if you feel that when someone criticizes your painting, it's okay to feel it, but then it's really important to take that and go away and ask yourself when you feel calmer, okay, what is it about that that's ringing true for me inside? Because then it's, a it's such a valuable thing once you realize what it is, because you can deal with it. Yeah, and it's really important, you know, if we want our work to develop and change and improve and get better, we need to be looking for this all the time. This is why this is, this is, this is a tough thing to do. And sometimes it can be very hard to do for yourself. So getting input from other people can be hugely beneficial, but it's up to you what you do with that. So if it's about, say it's about your drawing skills, let's take that for an example. If that's something that's important to you in your work, that's going to feel much more relevant. But you might take it on board and you can say, yeah, well, actually, you know, accurate representation is a lot less important to me than developing a kind of personal language of, of how I draw shapes. The personal language of drawing shapes. And then it's up to you and it actually helps you clarify what you want in your own work going forward. I think there's so much these days where people are looking for approval and it's important, but it's also essential that we look to that critical feedback from ourselves and from others if we want to develop and improve. Yes, totally agree. Good. Right, so I think we've dealt with that one. So to close, we have our new feature, which is called Inside Outside, where we're going to talk about something that's either inspired us or made us think this week. And I'm all gung-ho for this feature this week because I just finished watching a documentary on Coldplay, um, who are not particularly a favourite band of mine. I, I quite like them. But it was such an inspiring documentary. They had a filmmaker follow them from being teenagers. They had a friend who's a documentary a filmmaker, but he filmed them from when they were spotty 17 year olds and weren't even in a band. And so they made this documentary that takes you from then till now. And what was so inspiring about it was there was one young farmers concert in a field, the first concert they'd done together or one of the first concerts, and spotty Chris Martin says to the camera, you're here at Young Farmers this week, but in four years time, we're going to be bigger than you can imagine. And it, then it cut to four years later on stage at Glastonbury with hundreds of thousands of people. And he did that all the way through the documentary as a young man and not in a big headed way, in a totally enthusiastic, full of self-belief way just we're going to do this and nothing's going to stop us and their rise to fame was quite rapid and really flawless they didn't really have any problems that was the first thing that I found really inspiring was he's just creative self-belief and then they reached a stage in success after a few years of success where he had a whole year where he couldn't write anything good Right. And he kept recording and recording and he kept seeing him saying to the camera, this is just rubbish. Everything I'm doing and his words were not rubbish, but this is awful and everything I'm doing is awful. And I don't even know why I'm bothering. And it went on for a year. And 
the band member said we would go home and he would still be there don't know when he went to sleep and mm. I think at some point around just after that time is when unfortunately it sounded like his marriage started to break down so it didn't all end happily ever after but his dedication and commitment in the face of it all going wrong given that I had just had a week where everything was going bad and then seeing that now where they are again, where they're playing to so many people, I can't even imagine. And, you know, they've made an album that they love. And right at the end, he said this album that they just made was the album he had always been trying to make for his whole life. He'd been trying to get to this place, but he'd never been able to do it. And I recognized that feeling as well, that feeling of like, there is something I want to do, but it hasn't come out yet. So the whole thing I just found super, super inspiring. I would recommend it to anyone. You don't have to like their music. It was just really interesting. Will you put the link in the... Yes, it's on Amazon. It's an Amazon Prime thing that I will put the link in. Okay. What's interesting to me about that is, so if he's just made the album that he wanted to make his whole life, what's coming next? Well, he said, I think that might be the last thing we do together because I think we've done everything. But then the band members said, oh, he says that every time, so don't take him seriously. <laughs> so, so I don't know, but he did kind of seem, to, he said, well, he said in this form, this might be the last Coldplay album in this form, because okay. it might be like, we might morph into something else. Yeah, so different iterations and going off in a slightly different version. Yeah, rather than yeah. That's really interesting. But my thing that I've been interested in this week is a new book by Paul Jarvis called Company of One, Why Staying Small is the Next Big Thing for Business. And um, Paul Jarvis, I first came across him because he writes for freelancers. He was a freelance designer, website designer, and he does various course things. He does a course on how to use MailChimp. Um, and he writes a very good newsletter that comes out every Sunday but this idea of why staying small is the next big thing is something that really appeals to me and I've been thinking about this for artists in particular because of how we work there is so much business advice around at the moment about growing things and making things bigger and scaling things and that's not the way we necessarily always want to work I don't want to get to the stage where I'm no longer in touch with the core reason of painting. That's, but how then do you make it into something that is perhaps going to be profitable and sustainable and manageable without getting to the stage where you've got to, got to have a four floor office block? and a team of people who help you do it if that's not what you want. So I'm only halfway through, um, but some of the things that he touches on in the book, it's really interesting because it's exactly what I've realized almost inadvertently as I've gone along. So it's about the personal touch. It's about doing things directly for your clients. It's about working on your own reasons for making things better always better iterations, always learning, not necessarily bigger. So I found that a really thought-provoking read this week. Well, I have to look at that because I get his newsletters and they're always really good. He's Sunday, I think he sends them out once a week. 
I would say for the first for, for, a, for a book that's talking about keeping things small the first almost third of it there's quite a lot of stories about big business right <laughs> so there's quite a lot of this is how they do things in you know google and marmite and i'm kind of thinking these are huge great big world <laughs> i'm not sure yeah. how that is but um we're i'm halfway through now and it, it's starting to get a little bit more applicable and relevant but in terms of a thought-provoking alternative to the way that you want to expand and grow without it always having to be this vision of a business that's held up as being the only thing that counts. Yeah. Okay, excellent. So I think that's it for us for this episode. Um, If you enjoyed this, um, or even if you didn't, please go and subscribe and write a review for us. But if you didn't, don't write a review, just do the subscribe. (laughs) Uh, And if you'd like to submit a question, uh, there'll be a link, but you can do that at bit.ly backslash art juice q uh, just go there and there's a form to fill in to submit a question and this has been great thank you alice i shall see you next time and we shall see all of you next time bye we have street cleaners going past can't hear it ah <laughs> uh, sorry hang on dog walker sorry if you can hear the dog snoring she's asleep on the sofa next to me and on that note we are testing new microphones but today we had one microphone in the house and one microphone not in the house and that led to a little bit of a two-tone conversation so hopefully this is the last session of dog snoring and bins being collected we're (laughs) upping our game for you I'm so smooth with my segues that you didn't even notice. <laughs> Actually, that'll make editing harder because we put music in between them, don't we? And I've just segued in. Um, let me just think I'm going to say this. Right, so, oh, I just did right. No, I'm not doing right. <laughs>